You know, we're in in the middle of a sermon series this summer called My Last Sermon. My Last Sermon or My Last Sermons. And and what, what, what this means is if this was my last few times to get up and, 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 and preach to you. Or if, if you knew your time was coming to an end, what would you say to others? What would you say specifically about the gospel to others? And so we, we've been in this sermon series and we've been, we've been studying and going through the book of Mark. And last week we looked at, at Peter when, when Jesus called Peter to step out of the boat. We talked about faith. And we're talking about faith again, a little bit different way this week. But one of the things that we saw was faith in action with Peter. You know, how many, how many other rednecks love to go to the beach and fish? Anybody else like doing that? Anybody else like wading out there, you know, and all the people there and you're just fishing you know, casting up to here. Am I the only one that does that? For real? Is there not one other? Thank you, but two people. All right, thank you. Three. See? What happened? See, y'all? Nice. All right, so look, several years ago, I was, uh, I was fishing, and I, would, I, I went to, you know, we were at the, out on the beach that particular day, and I waded up, you know, and was fishing or whatever, and I looked over, and I saw a guy, college kid, and he was fishing. I was like, yes. Not the only one. And so later on in that day, I walked over and I introduced myself to him and we started talking. And it's like, man, you like fishing? He's like, yeah. And we we had this conversation. His dad was there. And so we we decided we were going to go fishing together that afternoon. So that afternoon came and, and we waited, you know, waited out. And then there's the dip. You know, and we swam holding our rods up, and we got to the second sandbar, which feels like, you know, you're in Cuba at that point. And we, were, we started fishing, right? He was probably the length of this stage from me. As I was casting, and I caught a fish, we're just grinning, and I'm reeling it in. The fish gets about 10 feet from me, and a shark comes out of the water and eats the fish, Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, Neil. But see, here, 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 here's the deal. What I didn't tell you was that I had been, I'd been noticing these black flashes around me. And I was like, I just didn't pay any attention to it because, you know, I mean, I was fishing, so I wasn't thinking that much about it. But when it bit down on a fish that was 10 feet in front of me and blood was everywhere, and I turned and I looked, and there's sharks everywhere. And I look over at this dude, and he's like, <laughs> and he's just, he sees them just like I do. I'm like, bro, seriously, like there's sharks. I'm talking about they were everywhere. And so I, he goes, hey, man, just dig your feet in the sand and keep your legs still. It's good. Well, what he didn't know is my legs were shaking so bad, it looked like a jacuzzi underneath me. <laughs> And so I sat there, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And they, they, they stayed there. They stayed there. My kids, they were, out, they were out there. They all saw me out there. They didn't know what was going on. And whenever I was reeling in fish, sharks would come eat the fish off of the bait. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know how much you love your beach fishing. 
But that will scar a brother when that happens. And I'm for real. Like, I was so scared, y'all. I was, I was terrified. And so then he's like, all right, well, I'm done. And he gets in and he holds his rod. And I'm like, and he swims back across there. And I'm still sitting there terrified, terrified. And I'm thinking, okay, well, did I put my youngest girl in my wheel? Because I don't think I did. But if you've ever thought you were going to get eaten by sharks, that's a very humbling feeling. So I sat there and I turned around and I faced him and he was there. And I was like, dude, there's sharks everywhere. And he was like, just come on. Just, just don't let them sense your fear. Okay. And he said, come on, trust me. Come on, have faith, come on. He passed over half faith like that. And I wrote, I have never forgot. I can tell you every, everything, the color of every bathing suit that was on that beach at that exact moment because I thought that was it. Half faith. He wanted me to trust what he had told me. Faith's a funny word, isn't it? Because I'm going to tell you something. I didn't trust that guy. <laughs> but I sat there, and I had to do it. So I, obviously, y'all know I made it. <laughs> because I'm still here, and I'm not all scarred up. But faith, you know, that's a, that's a funny word. How many times in life have we said, come on, man, just, just, just have faith. Well, and see what Jesus says is that a little bitty, the tiniest amount of faith with that, you can move a mountain. Like with the littlest amount of faith, you can move a mountain. And, and look, this is something I've learned in my life is that faith, exercising faith, taking a step of faith is very similar, bear with me on this, to like working out. Okay, so this is what I mean by that. You go to the gym, right? You lift 20 pounds. Whew, all right. The more you work out and you do that, the more times you work, then you're going to get to 30 pounds. The more you do that, you're going to get to 40 pounds. You see, by exercising, your weight goes up. You get in better shape. By taking a step of faith by exercising your faith, it literally is the same thing. And the question I know you're all doing is like, uh, really? Yeah, and here, here's, here's why. Look, with every step of faith that we take, right, with every time we take that step, what happens is God demonstrates to us his faithfulness. And I'm not, I'm not trying to throw puns out, but I'm for real. Like what, he demonstrates that his promises to us are true. He demonstrates his promises are true. And when he demonstrates that, well, then we're strengthened by it. Let me give an example. When I first accepted Christ, and I'm not trying to make all these stories about me, but I just, look, all I can do is tell you examples in my life. That, that's the best way I can, I can communicate. It's not about me. But when I first accepted Christ, I, I, was, in, I was in medical sales. Right, and and I was always I was going into the hospitals, and I would sit in surgery all day, every day, and I was I had to go to this particular hospital five, every single day that week, and it was in Meridian, 
In the first couple of days, I mean, I was like on fire. I was so, I'd accepted Christ probably a year before. And I, I'll be honest, I was still scared to do certain things. But as I went through this line early that morning, and then the next morning, and then the next morning, I went past the same person each time. The same lady checked me out every time. And, and it, was like, it, was, it was like somebody was going, you need to tell her that God loves her. And I was like, man, they're going to think I'm a freak. And y'all, my vanity kept me from saying that to her for three days. Because I was scared I was going to look like an idiot. And see, what happened is, on that fourth day, on Thursday, and it stuck in my brain. I'll never forget it. No, God, I don't want to, you know, it's like, like you're talking to yourself, like, God, please don't make me do this. Please, there's people behind me. There's people behind me. Please don't make me do this. But you know what? When I walked up and I looked in her eyes, I said, ma'am, I don't know what's going on, but I just want you to know that God loves you. Everything in me was so tense when I said that. But see, God took something just like that, and I saw something, y'all. I saw it in her face. Something happened in that moment that I can't describe. Not just to her, but to me. Because, see, I took a step of faith. I finally said, okay, God, I'll do it. And this is so simple, but it's so true. I took a step, and when I did that, I saw a burden leave someone. And so the next time I felt God whispering in my head is next time I felt that overwhelming sensation to say something, yeah, I still had that fear, but I knew where it was coming from. You see, it got easier. I was exercising my faith. I was simply doing what God was prompting me to do. And his promise tells me that when I act on him, that, he has, that his plans for me, they're great. They're to prosper me and not to harm me. So, and I, as I think through and I think back on all that, there's so much in his word that just tells me, hey, man, you just, just do it. Just do it. And I was so blessed by that. I was so blessed. And so exercising faith, I want you to think of it in terms of, of that. So if you, if, you have your, if you have your Bibles, in fact, you know what? Hold on. Before you open your Bibles, I want to say this about that. You know, when we exercise that faith, you know, we, and when we do that, and God strengthens us, but something will still get in the way sometimes, won't it? Like, we'll let our lives, we'll let the circumstances of things that are going on get in the way and actually stop us from taking those steps. And that will, and you, you are blessed. God blesses you in that. It may be that you're just so happy that you had the courage to do it, but Sometimes we, we let things in our lives, or just our lives in general, keep us from that. Don't we? Don't we? I mean, if we're honest, I, there's probably not one, I, I can't imagine one person saying, no, man, I'm faithful 24-7. <laughs> Nobody's saying that. <laughs> Somebody's going to slap me. 
You know, last week when we talked about Peter, we talked about that step, you know, that exercise in faith. And, and so this week, you know, the, we're in Mark 6. So if you do have your Bible, I mean Mark 10, if you have your Bibles, turn to, to Mark 10. And we're going to read verses 48 through 52. And it, it, it will be on the screen. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted even more, Jesus, son of David, have have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. Call him. Jesus looked at the disciples and said, call him. So they called the blind man. They said, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now look, so here, here's the deal. There's a beggar, right? There's this, this, this guy's name's Bartimaeus, and he's sitting on the road. He's blind. He's blind. Can't see, so he's living in the dark. And he heard, right, because that's the only thing he could have done. It was heard. He sure didn't see it was Jesus, but he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming by. And he shouted out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, son of David. But they tried to stop him. They're like, yo, shut up, man. Jesus, son of David. And he called out even louder. And before I go any further, I need you to know today, and I need you to just to, to trust this with everything that you have, that when you call out to Jesus, he stops for you. He stops for you. Because the word says he stopped. It didn't say he just, you know, thought about it for a little bit and then turned back around. No, it says he stopped. And see, that's what Jesus does for us. He stops. He will stop for you and you, for all of us. And then Jesus told his disciples, he says, hey, go call him. And they said, hey, man, Bartimaeus, Jesus is like, he says, come on over. And so it says here, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. Now, I want to tell you something. I've learned in reading scripture that every single, every word in that Bible is in there for a reason. And yet, I will so quickly read over something, and I've spent years of just reading over something. But what I've learned is, is that when I read over something like, he threw his cloak aside and went to Jesus. Like, okay, well, that throwing your cloak aside is kind of weird, but, like, why is it in there? So I started researching it, and I spent this whole past week researching this, everything about it. And see, here's here's the cool thing. Throwing his cloak aside, what, what that means is, what they're talking about is that cloak, well, it was a garment or a coat, And it was most likely, or it was, issued by the government. See, he was a beggar. And so based on the laws of Leviticus 25, they would have issued, the law was to take care of him, right? And so 
This would have been a government-issued, it would have been a government-issued blanket. We call it what you want. Some say it's a coat, but a garment. Okay, well, Chris, what's the big deal with that? The big deal with that is that he was blind. And what this, what this government-issued cloak or garment would have done was it came from the government, which meant it also allowed him, it was his permission from the government to beg. They actually called it, um, what they say, um, requesting alms, I think is what it was called. And so it would have given him this opportunity to, to sit and, and beg. And see, I asked my daughter for a blanket today, and she gave me a hot pink one that was embroidered. And I, as much as I wanted to use it, my wife wouldn't let me. So, you know, I found this burlap, right? And so here, here, here's the deal. Bartimaeus would have, would have, he'd, he'd have, he'd have done something like this. The people would have been passing by, right? And see, he would have taken it. And he would have had it probably something like this, but he would have had it pushed down like that. And see, that's where people would have thrown money. They would have thrown money into this. So he would have been sitting there, and people would have been tossing money. And that, this would have been his identity. This was his prized possession. I mean, this was, he was blind, and he was begging. And so throwing this aside... I wonder what was in it. I wonder if there was any money still in it. But yet, he threw it aside and he left it. And so when I, when I saw that, when I researched it, I found out something else. That by him having that garment, right, by him having that, well, he would have been, this wasn't a law, but it was a custom. That when he got that, he would have never screamed out to Jesus like that, or anybody, anybody of any stature, for him to have gone, hey, you Jesus, Jesus, son of David. Like, that was, the, that was a huge no-no. That was against everything society said for him to scream out like that, which that's the reason that the people were like, man, sh- shut up. What are you doing? What are you doing? Don't you know he heard that? What do you do? Hey, be quiet. And you know the other reason they were tripping out on that? You know what it means when he says, Jesus, son of David. That was him saying, Messiah. Messiah. Because see, all he was doing was taking what's in the Old Testament that Jesus was going to come from David and he was proclaiming it as loud as he could. And people were trying to shut him up. But he kept on. And he threw his garment aside and went to Jesus. And the thing is, he had no idea that Jesus was going to heal him right here. This is before any of that. He didn't know what Jesus was going to do. But see, he threw it aside. And he went. In faith... In faith, he went. In the dark, he left his possession, his prized possession, and he went. And it was then, so listen, it was at that point, it was after he left, after he he left his possession, after he went, after that, 
that Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus, but guess what? I've already left. So like, I'm not worried about it really because I'm with you. I want to see Jesus, but hey, it's good. It's already good because I'm with you. I want this, Jesus, but you know what? Going with you is better than that. So if you don't heal me, I'm cool. It's good. Throwing your cloak aside means a little bit more than what we just glance over, doesn't it? Jesus, you're enough. And, I, you know, I can sit there and I think about myself. I think about each one of us and it's like, you know what? You know what, Jesus? I'm coming to you. I know there's pain. I got, I got lots going on in this life. There's hurt. There's confusion. There's brokenness. But I'm coming to you. I'm leaving my cloak. I'm putting aside my garment. I'm throwing it aside. I'm getting away from it as fast as I can to go to you regardless if I have sight. And I think there's such a valuable lesson that we can learn from Bartimaeus. See, hope. Hebrews 11.1. One. It's being sure of what we hoped for, what we've been singing about, and certain of what we do not see. And yet we're reading a story about a man that could not see. His eyes... His eyes were opened by faith. I need you to hear that today. His eyes were opened by faith, by exercising faith. Not by just going, oh, I know he can, I know he can, I know he can, I know he can, I know he can. No, it was by taking a step of faith towards him because his promise is, you draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. It's real simple. But it's so hard, isn't it? Gosh, it can be so difficult. By putting faith in Jesus over faith in his possessions, he was healed. He was healed. And that step of faith is when Jesus said, go. Your faith has healed you. Wait, what? Go. Your faith. Is it, wait, what? Him? Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. And I want you to do something with me. Imagine being blind. Y'all close your eyes for a second. Imagine sitting there. The people are walking by and you can't see, but you can hear. And you call out, Jesus, son of David, Messiah. But you knew you weren't supposed to. And they're like, shut up, man, shut up. Jesus, son of David, Messiah. Come here, Jesus says. And everything that you have, you throw away and you leave. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. And then you open your eyes. Let's open our eyes. And the first thing you see is Jesus. The first thing you see. What do you think that looked like? What do you think life looked like? to Bartimaeus. 
Because see, we can so quickly read over, it's like, boom, oh, he saw, well, that's cool, that's cool. No, imagine that, really, truly think about what he saw. He could see. Your faith healed you. And I have to ask, you know, when I, when I, was, when I look at this and I, I thought of another, there was another way that I looked at this is what, what, what garment am I wearing? What, what coat am I wearing that could be keeping me from him? Because see, what, what God's saying is, is, hey, throw your cloak aside and come to me. Like, leave it all and come to me. And yet there's things that I still want to hold on to. And like, so what is that? What is that coat? What is that garment? And if you know Jesus then you have to ask yourself, is there something I'm putting before him? Is it a possession? Is it my identity? Is it my kids? Think about this. Is it my church? Is it a relationship? Is it a sport? Is it a musical instrument? Jennings, are you, could it be that you put the drums before the Lord? I don't know. Could it be that we put the piano before the Lord? And see, the reason I say that is because I have a friend, and his name is John Reinheimer. And years ago, after I accepted Christ, I was leading worship. And John is this amazing guitar player, and he has a most beautiful voice. And I said, John, why don't you get up here and, and, and lead worship with us? And he goes, I, no, man, I can't do it. And I said, well, why not? He said, you know what, Chris? You know, I... I led worship for years, but I realized that I was putting worship before Jesus. So I gave it up. (laughs) Wait, what? You did what? Well, I I, I literally said this because I was about to get up and lead. And he said, I gave it up, man. It was... It's more of a thrill for me to be up there playing music. And when I really thought about it, it was about me and not about Jesus. And so I told him he could, I I would, I'd, I'd give it up for him. That was a defining moment in my life when I saw that and when I heard that. When I saw someone exercise faith like that, I got to tell you, it radically changed my life because what I heard is, Chris, will you give a guitar up for me? Will you? Will you leave it behind? And I, I struggled with that. But see, when, when I saw that in John, years later, when I was in an environment of leading worship, I started feeling something wasn't right. God reminded me how John exercised that faith and it pierced my soul. And I struggled for a little while, but when I got to a place where I went, you can have this, Guitar, Lord. You can have it. I don't care. 
See, when I got to that place, I'm telling you, when I, and I, this, like I said, this is not about me, but I'm just telling you that I witnessed somebody else leave his garment and it radically changed me and gave me the strength to leave mine. And after that happened, God blessed me more than I could ever imagine. Not with things, but with a closer relationship to him that I will forever be thankful for the strength of a man to leave his garment. pierced my soul and changed my life. And so my question to each one of us today is what are you, what, what are you holding on to? What is your garment? Some of us garment may be a sport. What is your identity? What, what is it? And I'm not going to have some four-point sermon today. I got a question for each one of us. What is our garment? And are we willing to leave it for Jesus? It will set you free. The fear that we have inside of us of leaving something. It might be a relationship. I don't know. And I'm not telling you to give everything up. I'm telling you to put Jesus before that. So if you are doing something or if there's someone in your life, if whatever it is that is coming or keeping you from Christ, I don't care, you name it. You got to leave it. You've got to leave it and put him first. And the question that I have for each one of us today, now that you know this information, we, we have to be honest. We, you got to respond to this today somehow. You've got to respond to this somehow. The Lord has thrown out there that there are garments in each one of our lives that we have to leave. And the question is, what are we going to do with that today? Because if you know Jesus and there's something that you are putting before him, he is calling you today to leave that. And if you don't know Jesus, if, if your garment is the world, anything other than him, he's pleading with you. I am pleading with you. Don't miss the opportunity to know him in a way where you can start exercising your faith. And he can look at you and say, Your faith has healed you. Go. Go. Your faith has healed you. You know, it's, you should each have a little green sheet of paper somewhere. Y'all see that sheet of paper? Neil and I were talking about it this week, and, and there's a, if you read it, it says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on you, family member, a friend, and help whoever leave the garment. 
And I just encourage you to take it and look at it. And, and if, you, if you want, to fill it in. And then I would challenge each one of you to flip it over and on the back, write down the garment. What is it? Because see, what Jesus says is you bring that to me and it's done. I'll carry that burden for you. If it were my last sermon, if it were my last time to get up here and to to have this opportunity, one of the things that I would tell you is that God loves you more than you could ever possibly imagine. And I know you've heard it your whole life. And I know it's like, whatever, yeah, I get it. And I would ask, do you? Do you? And because of what he did, are you willing to give up something for him? My last sermon would be simply that. Give it up. Give it to him. Give him 100% of your life. And then watch what happens as the almighty God strengthens you to take steps. And you, you walk through this life taking one step of faith after the next, after the next, after the next. And the next thing you know, you feel like a giant because he has strengthened you beyond anything you could ever imagine. See, that's the God we serve. That's the God that loves you and you and you and you more than anything you could ever imagine. Amen.